Well, today, before we start the podcast, I wanted to say a few words about the events that have been happening in the news lately. If you don't know this, I live in Dallas, Texas, and have a friend who is on the police department, and I have several black friends, and this week has been very, very tough. But what I, I want to tell you not just about the hard things that I've seen, because you've seen them too. You've seen them on the news, or you live here too, and you've experienced them. But I want to tell you about the incredible things that I've seen. This week, I want to encourage you and let you know that the church is stepping up, that conversations are beginning to happen between the black community and the police officers and the white community. And other, and, and I know there's a lot of black police officers too. I'm not trying to say that. There's a lot of people that are getting together and talking. And where is this conversation beginning to happen? The church. The church has been under siege. We've retreated back into our buildings because the public doesn't want us. We've been kicked out of school. We've been kicked out of the public discussion. We've been labeled as morons. And because of that, we've shrunk back, I believe, and retreated to our castles, our churches. And we focused on discipleship and we focused on what we feel like we can, Bible study, growth, all those things that are really good, worship. And yet we've missed some element of evangelism. Now is the time. I want to call on you with all the other brothers and sisters in Christ that are out there, whether you're black, white, Hispanic, you wear a badge, or whether you wear uh, you know, gang colors, it doesn't matter to me. I'm telling you that Jesus Christ is the hope of this entire situation. His skin was brown. His life matters. And it matters to all of us because he gives us life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer believed in his book, Life Together, that having Christ in common should be enough to unite us in a community that loves one another and cares for one another. I believe that. He believed that. I believe that God believes that. Jesus preached that. And now it's time for the church to step up and do that. I want you to know that some great things are happening. Let's end slacktivism and start some activism by getting involved in your local community and starting to get to know people of different races and colors and let them tell you, honestly, what is the issue? Hear them out. Our experiences, I'm a white guy. My experience is not the same as one of my best friends who's a black guy. My experience as a white guy is not the same as my white friend who is an Irish, sorry, Scottish, he'll hit me for that, a Scottish cop in Dallas. We have different experiences. And you know what? They're valid. There are some things that we've experienced that I don't understand about my friends and they don't understand about me. And until we get together and talk, we're never going to understand one another. We're always going to interpret things through our own lenses of experience and we might interpret them incorrectly, which causes anger, which causes frustration and separation. And that is not the way of Christ's church. So that's my message to you. Before we get started in the podcast today, I want to say we're praying for the families who have lost loved ones, both black and white, police officer and civilian, because under Christ, we are all sinners and we all need the grace of Jesus in our life. Pray for one another, love each other well. Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks, a podcast designed to help you lead with confidence and clarity. These are practical solutions for your ministry that you probably didn't learn in seminary. Now let's join your host, Seth Muse, who knows all four chords on the guitar. 
Hey everybody, welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. I'm your host, Seth Muse. Thanks for joining me today. Um, I went on vacation a few weeks ago to Montgomery, Alabama, and on the way we went through Selma, and honestly, I had no idea. I, I admit just a lot of ignorance there, and man, what an education we got on our vacation. We were able to take our kids to the bridge in Selma and educate them, educate ourselves. And we learned a lot about what happened there in the civil rights movement. We made it to Montgomery to visit my brother-in-law, and we learned a lot about the Rosa Parks, at the Rosa Parks Museum, and uh, about the bus boycott and the things that happened there. I actually got to go to church at Martin Luther King Jr.'s former church, the Dexter Avenue King Memorial Baptist Church, such a long name, uh, but it was a great experience. And man, what a friendly and warm church they are. And I was so happy to get to be part of it and to come and, and worship with them. So it was a really, really exciting time. Um, we got to teach our kids about the value of human life. And man, as you heard from the beginning of the podcast, we really had no idea what was going on back home. We'd kind of cut ourselves off from social and weren't really getting a lot of news and watching the news. We were just kind of doing our thing, swimming at the pool and going to cool sites. We went to a minor league baseball game. We were having fun. We were doing vacation. And it wasn't till maybe Friday in Arkansas that on our way back, we hear about all that. And we were just so devastated to hear it. So uh, we, I, I'm praying for a lot of different people. One of my friends is on the Dallas Police Department uh, force, and another one of my friends, it, uh, several of my friends are are, are black uh, men and women who are struggling to understand what's going on, and the, and the police officers are struggling to understand what's happening, and it's just sad. It really is. And so in that week, we learned so much about civil rights. What an ironic turn. And I guess ironic is not the right word. It's sad that it turned the way it has, and there's still things going on. So my charge for everybody, just get to know people of different races and colors and creeds and just talk and be civil. Try to get to know them. Try to be friends. Try to understand who they are uh, on both sides of those issues. And that's really the way I think we're going to go forward. So on that, um, I still had to take care of some responsibilities before I left for my job. Um, I am not employed by a church right now. I volunteer where I can. We are in between looking for churches, a church to, to settle down with. And I just finished a string of 17 years in youth ministry and it has been a whirlwind. And so finding that church has been a process, especially with my new job. I'm traveling a lot. I'm a marketing director uh, and a sales manager at a company here in Dallas. And when I was leaving for vacation, I had a customer that I knew was going to come in and pick up several of the items he had ordered. So I delegated that task to one of our sales representatives. And I thought I had delegated it really well, but I forgot a few things and I, and I ended up not delegating super well because on the, on the trip, I get an email from this customer that says, Hey, I was supposed to pick up this one thing. Where is it? I didn't get it. I thought, Oh man, what happened? Well, what happened was it just didn't show up. We were kind of cutting it close and I didn't really talk this representative through what might happen. I just said, Hey, give them this stuff. It'll be here. Never thinking, prepare them for what could happen. And so when what could have happened that I didn't anticipate happening happened, she didn't really know how to handle it. So he ended up walking away with nothing because there was nothing to give him. So he was frustrated. I was too. And I was really upset that I didn't delegate really well. And so I looked back through my notes and go, Hey, guess what we're talking about this week? Awesome. 
Delegation. I definitely will look back through these five steps and realize I forgot some stuff. And I think nobody really does this perfectly every time, but we can definitely try to do better. And so what I wanted to do is, is talk a little bit about delegation today really quickly and give you those five steps, talk about what it means, what it looks like. And then we're going to uh, give you a chance to feedback in the comments. So uh, delegation is important. And why? Because when we give tasks away, it clears our plate, as we say. And clearing the plate is important because it allows us to then take our focus off of a lot of different issues and focus all of our attention and energy on the few issues or the few talents and strengths we really are good at so that we can bring the most impact to our ministry and do the most uh, good for the whole uh, that we actually minister to, uh, the people that we minister to. And, and that's definitely Andy Stanleyism. Again, you're going to get a lot of that on this podcast, just passing on what he said. But he, he says that we have to delegate because if we find the way we bring the most impact, then we can do only what we, oh, I messed that up. Then we can do what only we can do. And, and that's the goal. And I don't think anybody ever really gets there. I don't think he does either. I think we always have to do things that we aren't really strong at, or we don't really want to do, or we have no one to delegate to. And there's a lot of reasons why, but I think if we are really creative and we really do work uh, hard at delegating that we can overcome some of the, uh, I think all those obstacles to delegation. Like I don't have anybody to delegate to, or nobody does it the way I want it done. Or, um, I just, I don't like to delegate because I like to have that control and that's your own personal inner demons, bro. It might need to figure that out on your own. So delegation is important because it helps us get to what we're really good at. Now I missed some crucial steps. I'm going to slow down here and we're going to make sure to go through these steps like I should have so that you can delegate too. So get ready. Five steps to great delegation. Here we go. Step one, give away meaningful tasks. When we give away meaningful tasks, it means that I'm giving you something that's important to do. It's not just some menial task that just really doesn't have a lot of meaning. I'm just trying to find you something to do, like file papers and paperwork. And I'm sorry if you file papers. It is meaningful, but you probably don't feel like I'm just changing the world by putting these papers in this filing cabinet appropriately. You might actually be changing the world, but sometimes it doesn't feel that way. So giveaway tasks that are meaningful means that I'm telling this person that I trust you with some real responsibility. I trust you with some real important stuff because I think you're capable or I think you're important or I think this is important and I need your help. Whatever the reason, it definitely communicates value to those you delegate to when you give away meaningful tasks. And I say we should do that. I would rather err on the side of giving tasks away and having them fail than not giving tasks away and you always succeeding and them leaving and quitting and hating your guts. I would rather do that. I would, ra I would rather not do that. I would rather do where you give them tasks and they fail because there's an opportunity to learn and grow there. And the other, there's just an opportunity for everybody to be miserable there. And I, I want to avoid that for everyone. So if you give the task away and it's meaningful... That means you're thinking long-term. That means I'm training this person on how to do these things without me. So if I'm giving away meaningful tasks, I'm increasing their knowledge of our organization, of our ministry, of their job, of their role, of my role, of our relationship. I'm helping them understand how we're going to work together by giving them meaningful things and then helping them through it. And here's how we help them through it. It's the rest of the steps. So we give away meaningful tasks. If we don't, it's kind of like we're playing fetch with a dog. We're, we're saying, 
go. And we throw a ball and the dog runs out and gets the ball and brings the ball back. Well, everybody knows that one kind of dumb dog that you throw the ball or hasn't been trained, whatever you go throw the ball and the, and the dog goes and gets the ball and then he runs away and doesn't bring it back. And you're like, why are you not bringing me the ball? And so you train the dog to go out, get the ball and bring the ball back. And we think, yay, mission accomplished. They learned how to go and fetch. But here's the problem. You're still throwing the ball. You're still involved. You have to activate the whole action because they don't do anything till you throw the ball. Then that's not really management. That's not really leadership. That's more like a, a what we call a, a micromanagement because you're still the one everything bottlenecks at. You're still the one that has to say, hey, I need you to go do this. I need you to go and take care of that issue right there. Can you go and take care of this for me? You're still driving traffic pretty actively because let me tell you, if if they're not doing things on their own, if you're not telling them to do things and they're still not doing anything, then you're, you're maybe you're not leading really well. You're not delegating really well, that's for sure. And, and I think we all have heard this before. I'm going to say this now because it sets the tone for the rest of this, that the true test of your leadership is not what happens when you're there. It's what happens when you're not there. So the true test of your leadership is what happens when you're not there. And if you're not delegating meaningful tasks, then when you're gone, meaningful things don't get done. That's just some logic that I like to have in my life. Maybe you like it too. Maybe you can disagree. Feel free in the comments. Go ahead. Step one is give away meaningful tasks. Step two, give clear expectations. I don't know how many times that we say, I want this task done, but we really don't tell them when it needs to be done or how it needs to be done. And honestly, if it's an important task, you need to give them some stuff. Give them parameters, because if you give them something important and they know it's important and then you don't tell them how to accomplish it, they're going to go, uh, 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 what do I do? What do I do with it? I don't know. I've got this important thing and I got to go do something. What do I do? They're going to freak out if they've never been handed something like that or if you hand them something that they're totally not ready for. And if you don't give them some kind of like, okay, here's who you need to talk to for this part. Here's some expectations. Here's some dates we need to have it done. Uh, paint this picture of what success looks like when you give them that task. Don't just say, hey, go go out and fetch. That's, that's never going to, I mean, honestly, high quality leaders, high caliber leaders, they're going to get tired of that and they're going to leave. They're going to go, man, I didn't ever do anything important there because that's what high caliber leaders want to do. They want to do important things. They want to feel like they're changing the world. And when it's just go out and fetch, go out and fetch, then that's not important. They don't feel important. They don't feel like they're doing anything and, and they're going to want to go somewhere else. And so when we give them those clear expectations with that meaningful task, it helps them feel like, okay, all right, maybe I've never done anything like this before, but I feel like I have enough that I can at least get started. And I could probably do this. So give them deadlines, give them dates, give them parameters, paint that picture of what it looks like if they do it correctly. If they do it like you have it in mind. Now, along the way that may change. However, when they first start, it puts them at a lot of ease when you delegate tasks to tell them, here's what I want it to look like when it's over. I did that with this sales associate, but I didn't anticipate a lot of the other things that could have happened, which I should have prepared her for. And I painted a picture of success, but it turns out that didn't happen. Because I missed a step down the way. So here, let's get to it. First, give away meaningful tasks. Second, give clear expectations. And third, give space, but investigate. This is where I went wrong. I gave space, but I didn't investigate. 
I gave her the parameters. I told her, here's what it looks like for success. This guy comes in, he gets his stuff. It's coming on Wednesday. No problem. Shipment should be in. We're all good. It didn't happen because I gave her space, but I didn't investigate. You see, that came in on Monday. He wasn't coming till Wednesday. I could have easily called in and said, hey, on Monday, did it happen? Just checking. Did it? Did the stuff come in? Oh, it didn't. All right. Well, here's what you need to do. I could have easily done that. I could have done it beforehand. Hey, if this doesn't come in, here's what I want you to tell him. Here's how we're going to handle it. I could have done that too. I didn't do that. I gave space, but I didn't really investigate. I just let it go. That's not good delegation. You may feel like sometimes when you've given tasks away and you come back to it like that, hey, I'm micromanaging, and some people might do that. But when we just are trying to figure out what's happening, just checking in, keeping up, that's good management. That's good leadership. It's okay to do that. The way we do it's important too, because we need to let people work how they work. Because in the church world, we are very big on this. We know that God has wired people a certain way. We're very sensitive to it. We don't want to push people into their weaknesses if we can avoid it. And obviously, delegation is all about taking your weaknesses and handing them to somebody else so that you can work in your strengths. I think that's a really smart way to work. It's wise. Feel free to disagree. However, that's what I think. But when we come in and, we de- and we've delegated something and then we give them some space, we need to let them work a little bit. Now, let them know you're going to check in. That's okay. That's, that's your prerogative. You're the leader. If you want to bump in and say, hey, I'm taking this over, you can do that. Not saying you can't because you're the leader. And sometimes you might have to do that when you walk in and go, whoa, this is totally wheels off. Okay, what's happening here, bud? What's going on? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm just, and they're, and they're sitting in a corner and they're rocking back and forth. And they're, they're kind of biting their fingernails going, I don't know where all the children are. I don't know where they are. And, and just alarms are going off. You're like, okay, all right, buddy, I'm taking over. You got to do that sometimes. That's totally fine. Nobody's saying that that's not a bad, that's that, that that is not an okay idea. However, if things seem to be going okay and we come check in, then let's just do that. Let's just check in because we want to give them space, but we want to investigate. We don't want to push them out of the way. We offer help and if they want it, we give it. But in, if they start to kind of fall and, they, and it's like Peter sinking in the water and Jesus goes up, oh, I'm going to get him. And he grabs him and pulls him up. Sometimes we got to do that and that's okay. But we want to start doing that less. And so when we do that, there obviously needs to be some kind of debrief, some breakdown. And honestly, that leads us into our fourth step. So first, give away meaningful tasks. Second, give clear expectations. Third, give space but investigate. Fourth, give great feedback. Now, the operative word there is great. Okay, give great feedback because saying, oh, I like that or no, I don't like that or saying nothing at all. That's just technically feedback. It's not great feedback. In fact, it's not helpful feedback. Um, we're thinking more like Facebook where somebody posts something and we go, Oh, I like that. Click like, that's not really feedback. That's more of just kind of technically feedback. It's not great feedback. All right. Great feedback is okay. What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? Why is this the worst thing you've ever seen? Or why is this the greatest thing graphic I've ever created? And you know, when we talk communications, which is a passion of mine, I'm telling you, the communication between church communicators and pastors, there's a lot of missing parts sometimes because we just, as communicators, sometimes we don't get good feedback. And you know what? When we aren't getting good feedback, we shouldn't sit in our office and go, well, I'm going to do what I can. They're not going to give me feedback. We should constantly be bothering them and make ourselves a bother. Go and ask, 
What do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? Because at the end of the day, you want their feedback along the way. You don't want it all at the end. Because if you save all the feedback for the very end, you're going to show up on a Thursday before the Sunday you're supposed to launch the the series that you've made this whole host of graphics for, all these different things you've made. And the pastor's going to look at it and go, huh, well, that's okay. I wish it was green instead of red. Or I like that little dot over there instead of on the left or whatever. And they're going to have all these critiques. And you're going to go, man, where was all that a month ago when you asked me to do this? And I tried to show it to you and you didn't want to see it. And what was all that? Now, pastors, I've been picking on you. Church communicators, hey, if you're not going to them constantly, well, that's kind of on you too. I mean, make them see it. Make them see it. Ask for feedback. Almost demand it. Because if you don't get it, when we get to that end and it's Thursday and we've made all this stuff and we kind of go, I kind of like this. I'm really proud of this. And just to have it dumped all over in an instant and feel suddenly, we feel like a failure. We feel like we failed. And really, we haven't. Uh, At least we haven't failed alone. We've all failed (laughs) when that situation happens because nobody was talking along the way. We've got to give great feedback. Give why you think something is good, why you don't like it. Tells uh, like, okay, I like this piece over there or that color over on this type of logo. And I'm using graphics because it's real easy to understand. But anything that we're talking about that we delegate, give feedback along the way. Because if you don't give direction, then what's going to happen, especially if you've got somebody in a leadership position that you've delegated to, that is a really strong leader, they're going to shoot off in any direction they see fit. And it's going to go and they're going to go 100 miles an hour. And then you're going to look up and go, whoa, what's happening? What is this? We didn't want this. But it's kind of your fault because you didn't when you delegated, you didn't give them feedback along the way. You have to kind of course correct. It's like steering a cruise ship. Sometimes you can't expect to make a 90 degree angle turn. You got to start turning early. Right. And so if you want this thing to end up where it's supposed to be, a lot of times when we delegate, we don't start turning the ship fast enough or early enough, I should say. And we end up running into the iceberg and somehow this became a Titanic metaphor. Okay, so step one, give away meaningful tasks Two, give clear expectations. Three, give space, but investigate Four, give great feedback. And five and finally, give credit where credit is due. I know we've all worked for people that are the kind of boss that say, huh, well, if I don't say anything, go ahead and finish it. You know, if I don't say anything, it means you did it right or it's okay or I liked it. Well, let me just be really frank with everybody. That sucks. And I know that's going to hurt somebody's feelings because you're like that and you think, well, that's how I am. Sure. Fine. That's maybe how that might be how you are. I don't think anyone is immune to being called to change in the church world. And I think that if that's you, I'm calling you that you might need to change a little. And here's why. I'm going to make a case for it. If you don't say anything, we don't know if what we did was good. Okay? Reward what you want repeated just as you as you criticize what you don't want repeated. You you punish or not punish, but you dis... That, what's the word? It's not discipline. Well, you do something bad when something happens you don't want to have happen, right? I don't know what I'm saying. So basically reward the good stuff and don't reward the bad stuff, right? But if we all we ever do is, is we simply punish or we simply criticize or we make people feel bad when they mess up, um, that's not going to encourage people to do better. 
Not all the time. Some people don't will will get better. Some people will, but a lot of people. And I'm speaking from experience. If you do that to me, it's going to make me go. Well, hey, I can't win. And nobody likes playing games that they can't win. Nobody likes doing tasks they feel they're stacked against them. That's not fun. That's not meaningful. That that kind of kills the will to keep going, and makes you start look. Okay, where I'm working for a bad boss, or I don't like where I'm at. Where I want to do something else. And you know what? If you're a boss, it's like I don't ever say that's good. I'm going to encourage you. You need to start complimenting things when they're good. Give them credit for doing a good job because if they don't know that they did a good job, then next time they may try something different and you may go, why didn't you do what you did last time? You're like, well, I didn't know you liked that. So I tried this trying hopefully to see if you'll respond somehow to let me know I'm on the right track. It's really all about that comp- that communication and that feedback loop. You've got to make sure that's open. And if you're the leader, honestly, that's your responsibility. That's not the person you delegate delegated to. That's not their responsibility. That's yours. Why? Because you're the leader and everything is your fault and everything is your responsibility. And if you don't like that, you shouldn't be the leader. That's what leadership is. You accept the burdens of a lot of people. And when we delegate to others, if they fail, that's still on us. If they don't do it well, that's still on us. Yeah, sure. They failed. We failed. And so if we're going to lead well, we need to give credit where it's due. Compliments are good. Encouragement is awesome. In fact, the Bible commands it in several different places. Yet when we get into the church, we think it's okay if we are simply silent when good things happen. I think the church is waking up to this fact in so many different areas in the element of storytelling and on social media that we need to be talking about the good things that happen, the good things that we do. And as leaders, we should be pointing those things out too. Hey, that's a good job, man. Hey, I really like this graphic. I think you've got a real talent. This is really great. Or man, this worship set this Sunday. Wow. It was just really incredible. Way to go. You guys were awesome. Or Hey, pastor, I loved your message. I can tell you, senior pastors would never hear that. They almost never hear that. Maybe from their wives or their spouses or uh, brothers, sisters, family, they might say, oh, so good. Or that one person that's just super positive about everything. And then when that person comes to you and says, oh, it was so good today. It was so good today for like the 50th time in, in a month. And you're like, okay, well, now I'm starting to not really believe that you know what good is. So I can't really take your compliment. So it's really hard to feel good about myself. So anyway, all that to say, basically, I've got a, a, an emotional problem. So if you have an emotional problem like I do, then I'm sorry. I'll pray for you. Pray for me. We'll we'll work through it. But if you're a leader that can't seem to say good job, I, I'm man, I'm going to say there's probably a spiritual something going on in you that you need to address because the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy. And it brings me joy to know that I've done a good job towards what I care most about. And that is bringing people into the kingdom of Christ. And when I've done something as simple and trivial as made a good sermon graphic, if it helped people pay attention to the gospel being preached, then I've contributed to that. And I feel good about that. It's meaningful. And I would just love sometimes to hear that it's meaningful because not I'm selfish, not because I want that accolade, but just because it helps me know that I'm doing the right thing and that I need to keep doing it. We all need encouragement and we shouldn't make people feel bad about needing encouragement. Some people, that's their love language. Some people, they need to hear that. It's okay. We can all get along. I'm a hand. You're a pancreas. We're all big family. All right. So we're trying to get delegation down to a science so that we can get back to doing what only we can do. 
right? When we delegate better, we end up enjoying our jobs and operating in our passions in a way that helps us to accomplish the tasks that God puts before us. And that's what we're about. We're trying to advance the kingdom of Jesus forward here on this earth until he returns. I hope that's been helpful for you. Five steps of delegation. I'm going to cover them one more time just for posterity's sake. And then I got a quick word for you. So here it is. Give away meaningful tasks. Give clear expectations. Give space, but investigate. Give great feedback and give credit where credit is due. I hope that's been helpful for you. So thanks for listening. It's a shorty this week. I'll be back in two weeks and uh, we'll talk about some other fun stuff in the seminary of Hard Knocks. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, before I go, I got one quick word for you. If you have not downloaded my ebook yet, it's called Do Not Go In There, Five Things I Wish Someone Had Told Me When I Started the Ministry. It is out at sethmuse.com. You can sign up for my email list and I will will send you an email that allows you to download this book for free. It's short. It's fun. I'm just telling stories about some of the dumb stuff I thought when I started ministry, some of the things I kind of got into, some experiences I've had. I promise when you read it, you may go, I can't believe that that happened. Or you might actually say, and I feel like this is going to be common, wow, that's happened to me too. I've already experienced that. And so I want you to go read it because maybe you'll be able to glean some truth and it will help you kind of not knock into the walls like I had to do and find my way. I never had a mentor. I never, I was never a intern. I never had someone really speaking into my life intentionally trying to help me do this thing called ministry. And I want to do that for you. I hope this book can be helpful. Go download it. It's free. All it'll cost you is an email address. And then what I'll do is I'll send you you emails with our updated content from the Seminary of Hard Knocks through sethmuse.com and you're going to get content I promise that's going to help you make confident decisions with clear purpose. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. Later.